You're listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast, where we take the Wall Street bull by the horns to help you achieve your financial goals. Whether it's budgeting, investing, or financial independence, we tackle the big questions in the pursuit of financial literacy. And now, your host... Hello, everyone, and welcome to Main Street Finance. This is Alex, your host, and I'm excited to bring you guys episode number four of the Main Street Finance show. And today we're going to introduce 401ks, 457 plans, and 403bs. Now, I do want to give a few disclaimers in the beginning here. And those disclaimers are that the purpose of this episode is going to be just to introduce the concept and the what is of those retirement plans. Although I'm referring to all three of them, I'm going to just say 401k throughout the episode. For the high-level concepts that we're going to be talking about in this episode, essentially all three of those plans that I mentioned are virtually exactly the same thing. A lot of the differences are regulatory or different options, who would run the plan. As far as the concept of putting money aside for retirement, they're essentially the same thing. Now, in conjunction with this episode, there are going to be two YouTube videos uploaded to the Main Street Finance YouTube channel, and those two videos are going to be a discussion on compound interest, what it is and how it's going to allow you to retire or even potentially retire early. And the next is going to be an example of the one-page summary sheet that you will get for each of the options in your 401k retirement plan. Now, let's get into the meat and potatoes of what 401ks, 457s, and 403bs are. What they are are their employer-sponsored retirement plans. Now, the history of that is, of course, companies used to do pensions. And what a pension is, is you work for the same company for 20 years, and they would have taken some money out of your check to put into a giant fund with all the contributions from everyone else, and they end up with this large pot of money. And they use that large pot of money and the contributions from the current employees to be able to fund those 20-year employees' retirements. Now, as I'm sure most of you are aware... These sorts of pension plans are sort of falling by the wayside. Basically, you got to be a teacher, police officer, firefighter, or in the military to really get one of these that really means something. One that a company is not just going to axe one year, which that has been happening a lot. Now, if y'all allow me to go on a quick tangent, 401ks were started to help out with these retirement plans. The idea being that between Social Security, your employer pension plan, and your personal savings, the 401ks, it creates a three-legged stool, and that is the quote, a three-legged stool of retirement security for most Americans. That concept sort of came up in the 60s or 70s, which for most of my listeners is before you were born. Those of you living in the real world today know that pensions are disappearing left, right, and sideways, unless you're in one of those professions I mentioned just a moment ago. More and more of the burden and or responsibility is being placed on the individual employee. In all reality, it's one of the greatest marketing campaigns that American companies as a whole have been doing. Because with a pension plan, if a pension plan failed, well, that company was utterly destroyed by the public. Their image, their trust, everything just gutted to the core. That company basically couldn't exist. But with 401ks and the increased reliance on 401ks, those companies are not at fault. Well, who's at fault? Well, the employee. 
clearly if that employee would have put aside more money for retirement or chose better investments. Clearly, they wouldn't be in the position they're in. Or maybe if Social Security paid a little bit more out at the end of the day, then they wouldn't need us. It's basically a conspiracy. All the companies shirk their responsibility by just saying, oh, hey, look, we're going to get rid of this pension because, you know, it's a big thing. It's costing us a lot of money. It's a lot of headache. Look, we're going to get rid of these personal pensions, and we're going to give you these 401k plans. And to ease the pain of you having this plan and us putting it on you and not be us, we're going to give you a little match. I'm not speaking ill of company matches at all. That is free money and it's magical and we're going to get to that. But essentially, companies have pulled this scheme where they are no longer responsible for your retirement because, hey, they chipped in their part. But I digress. So the 401ks, 457s, and 403bs are employer-sponsored retirement plans. And what that really means is that you can't get them any other way. You have to be employed by a company that offers one of these accounts. The first issue arises right there. Most companies in America are not brokerages. And since you basically have to be a brokerage to buy or sell stock, your company is not able to manage your retirement plan. So what they have to do is they have to hire what's called an administrator. The plan administrator for your retirement plan, whichever one it is, is most likely going to be a mutual fund company. And what that means is going to be Vanguard, Charles Schwab, Fidelity, Interactive Brokers, someone like that. So really, your company has very little control over what's going on there. And it's really in the hands of whoever this administrator is. Now, the purpose of having these accounts is you get a tax advantage. Now, the government thought up this tax advantage or the companies pressured them to give you this tax advantage because they want to incentivize you. They want to get you to do this willingly. Here's the gist of it. You elect to put in a certain dollar amount or percentage of your salary aside. You never get it. So it comes out of your paycheck, much like your taxes, and you just never see it. It just gets pulled out. It never hits your bank account. It's never listed on a check. It just gets sent straight to the plan administrator in your name. So what happens is you're able to log in either through the app or the website, and you would log in to whoever your plan administrator is. Now, we're not going to get into choosing investments at the moment. We're going to talk about that a little bit later because this episode is going to turn out to be a little longer than I'd like anyway. So one of the big constrainments of an employer-sponsored plan is you get limited investment choices. Your company, depending on how much they are paying the administrator, will give you certain amount of options. Typically, just from the companies I've been a part of and the 401ks I've been a part of, there's usually between 15 and 30 options that you can put your money into. And that's really not a lot of options for you to have places to put your money. And most of those are going to be some combination of mutual funds. The choices of those mutual funds is mostly going to come from the administrator, but typically companies get to choose like one or two. It's sort of like uh, you go to a buffet, you could pick one or two things, but all the sides are the same. So you get to pick your entree, you know, with one or two caveats, but everyone gets the same two sides. So with that being the biggest constraint, let's talk about the biggest advantages. Now, the advantages are the main reasons why you should be putting money in here, and that's going to be a tax advantage. The tax advantage basically is whatever you put into that retirement plan, A, you will not pay taxes on right now, and B, you're not going to pay taxes on the growth. You get to put that money in and get a tax break, 
and then you're not going to have to pay any taxes for the entire time your funds are growing and compounding. So it creates a really good advantage and incentivization for you to be putting money in and just let that money grow so that at the end of the day, and by end of the day I mean retirement, you're going to have a big pile of money that is going to do two things. One, it'll allow you to have a ton of money that, when paired with Social Security, will allow you to live comfortably until the day you die. And the second thing it's going to do is it's going to allow you to have a big pot of money that you can then pay taxes on. And that's what the IRS is gambling on. They're giving you a break when you put the money in. They're giving you a break when you let the money grow. But when that money has been growing for years and years and years and you're finally ready to retire, they've been not getting taxes on that money. So what they do is they wait for it to grow. And then once you're ready to retire, they stand there and they've got their hand held out like, finally, time for my cut. And that's really the gist of it. You're able to put money aside where it's not taxed, and then it's able to grow again without tax, also that they can hit you at the end. So they want to hit you at the end, but that's not the main point. Really, if you're out making money, you're going to get taxed. Now, of course, there's ways around that, so I'm going to let the comment section be calm for that. But in general, if you make money, the IRS is going to find its way to you and take its cut. The main idea of all of this is that they're incentivizing you to take some of your paycheck and put it aside and let it grow. It may be because it's a company that wants you to do it because they don't want to take responsibility in the case that you don't have enough money to have a happy retirement. Or it might be the government just waiting to get a bigger check when you turn 65. But at the end of the day, it is still a good thing for you to be putting money away. And I'm going to have a video on YouTube that shows you just how powerful this account is and how it's able to help you really retire. And so with that, let's go ahead and let's reintroduce that company match that I had referred to earlier in the podcast. So what a company match is them saying, hey, if you put aside a certain amount of your check, we're going to help you. We're going to sprinkle a little bit more on top of that. So just as an example, let's say your company matches 100% of your contributions up to 3%. So what that means is you put in 3%, they put in 3%. In effect, you are only sacrificing 3% of your income. 3% of your income does not hit your check. And in exchange, 6% goes into your retirement account. What ended up happening there is you only sacrificed 3%, but you got 6 So in reality, a 401k match is free money. And you might be saying, wow, that's really generous. Why would they do that? Well... It's so they don't have to have a pension for you. You also have full matches and partial matches. Now, a full match is they will match dollar for dollar everything you put in up to a certain limit. You put in $100 a check, they'll put in $100 a check. And then you have partial matches where, say, it's 50%. For every $100 you put in, they'll put in 50 up to a certain amount, usually 3 or 6%. So no matter if it's a full match or a partial match, you are going to want to put in, at a minimum, whatever you have to do to get that full match. Because remember, that is free money. It's just them telling you, hey, you put this aside, you get some free money. And who doesn't like free money? And through the power of compound interest, say we go back to you put in $100, they put in $100. That's not just $100 a check. That's $100 a check that's going to compound for potentially the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years, 50 years, until you actually pull it out, which may or may not be at age 65. You don't pull out all of your money at retirement. You pull it out throughout retirement. 
mathematically, that $100, this paycheck that they're putting in, could easily turn into four or $500 by the time you actually pull it out. Now, will it get taxed? Sure. But that $100 still turns into four or $500. That brings us to vesting. For those of you that have a 401k, you might notice that there might be a vesting schedule or there's going to be a sentence somewhere that says funds fully vest after X amount of service or there's a vesting schedule where you get so much percent per year. And what a vesting schedule is, is that you put in $100, they'll put in $100. But even though it's in your account, it's not technically yours. So what that means is the money's in your account, the money's going to grow, but it's sort of like a you have to earn it kind of thing. So I've prepared an example here just for fun. What it turns the company match into is a retainment tool for their employees because you're sitting there working for a company and you see this fat pile of cash sitting in your 401k account, but only half of it is yours. So if you quit your job that money gets cut in half almost immediately if the funds aren't vested. It's really important to A, know what your vesting schedule is, and B, keep it in mind before you decide to quit a job. Say we go to the example of you put in $100, they put in $100. Say the funds vest fully all at once at the end of year five. So if you spend five years with the company, all of the money they put in is now yours, including all the future dollars. It's not five years for each deposit they put in. It's a, if you stay for five years, you keep all of it, including the future dollars. That $100 they put in, that first paycheck of your sixth year, that's yours immediately. For example, I went ahead and I wrote this up before I recorded the podcast. Say you make $50,000 a year and you put aside 15% of your income, which, as we said in the budgeting episode, is about where you want to be, and your company matches dollar for dollar for your first 3% of your salary. So we're still assuming that all the funds vest 100% at year 5. So if you make $50,000 a year, you've been putting aside 15% per year, your employer has been putting in 3% per year. So say at the end of year 4, you really hate your job, you really want to leave. Well, the funds that are not yours, that are employer contributions, is $6,659. So if you quit your job right there at the end of year four and none of your funds have vested yet, that means you're basically giving up $6,600. Are you seeing why it's a retention tool yet? Because if you leave and your funds aren't vested, well, you just gave it up. It goes straight back to the company. Game over. You just wasted that perk. But if you wait a year and you decide to leave at year five, well, then hot diggity, you get all that money, including the match for that fifth year that you stayed. What these matches become is a recruitment tool. Hey, we'll match more than this other company. If you come to us, we'll match 4%. Those guys will only match three. But once they get you in, those companies that offer you more of a match, I'll guarantee you that they have a longer vesting period. Because right about the time you get tired of them and you want to leave, assuming that happens, that's going to be the time you check that vesting schedule to see, ooh, here's all this fat money they've been giving me for years. Nope. If you try to leave in the first couple of years, you get nothing. Now, I'll admit that was a rather extreme example just to introduce the topic so that you could really understand what was going on. But in all reality, 
there's typically a vesting schedule, which means it's not all or nothing. Right at the end of year five, you get all of the money. Typically what happens is there's a schedule, meaning that you get a little bit over time. For example, with my company, the vesting schedule is every year you stay, 20% of the funds are yours. So for example, with my company, it's a five-year vesting period and you get 20% per year. So if I leave after year one, I get 20%. If I leave after year two, I get 40%, and so on and so forth, until once I finish my fifth year, or I have my fifth anniversary, all the money is mine. Now that we've talked about what happens when you leave the company and how to leave the company while keeping as much of the money as you can or to get all of it with the vesting schedule, let's talk about rollovers. So when you quit a job or you get fired, you usually get a choice. It's usually one of three. You get to either A, pull out all your retirement funds as cash, two, roll it over to your next 401k. So when you get a new job, you just file a couple forms, and what happens is your old plan administrator will send the money directly to your new plan administrator. So if you've been working for company A for five years, you quit and go to company B because they give you a raise. You just do one or two forms, and then company A's administrator will send the money directly to company B's administrator. So if you leave the company with $10,000, you're going to start at the second company with $10,000, but you've never touched it, which is important because if you touch the money, you get taxed and you take a big penalty, which basically is the IRS says, oh, you touched it, give me 10%, and they will just take 10% of your money. Or there's option three. Option three is that you can open up an IRA account and you can roll it over into that IRA. Or if you already have one, you can get them to send the check straight from your 401k to your provider for your IRA, and it just handles there. Now, we're going to talk about the benefits of that in the next episode for IRAs, but it is an option you can do once you leave a job. So I wanted to go ahead and have that in here. So that's about all I'm going to cover for the moment on the 401k plans. Now, keep in mind, just about all of that applies to 401ks, 457s, and 403bs. I wanted to take a couple minutes here and talk about what makes a 403b and a 457 plan unique. So a 457 plan typically is going to be offered when your employer is either a state or local government or a nonprofit organization. And the big sticking point here is that it's not considered by the IRS a qualified retirement plan. In actuality, it is a retirement plan, but it's not qualified, which means there's a big law out there called ERISA, E-R-I-S-A, and it's the government restricting these plans and putting a bunch of rules in place. I'm not going to go into them because we're talking about a high-level podcast. If y'all are interested in me talking about that, shoot me an email. I might do a mini-sode on it. All you need to know is that it's non-qualified, so there's a lot of rules that are waived. The biggest one, and the one I really wanted to mention, is that since it's not qualified, you can only have one qualified retirement plan at a time. So, a lot of employers that offer a 457 might also offer a 401k. Now, because of how great the tax advantages can be, the government puts a contribution limit on how much you can put into these plans every year. But if you have a qualified retirement plan and then a non-qualified retirement plan, like a 457, you could potentially, if your employer offers it, get both. And then since you have both, you could contribute to both, meaning you can get the tax advantage of double the contribution by putting the maximum in the 401k and the maximum in the 457. You get the tax advantage and you kind of get around 
that maximum amount you can put in. So I just wanted to mention that one. So let's go ahead and talk about the 403B. Now, the 403B, unlike the 457, is a qualified retirement plan. So you can't have a 403B and a 401K. Now, if you have an old one, you can keep it. You just can't contribute to both at the same time. Now, 403B also will be offered by nonprofits and government organizations. And typically, the people who get 403Bs are public school employees, tax-exempt organizations, and especially ministers. So if you're a priest, chances are your church will offer a 403B. Something that makes 403Bs more unique, and the only couple things that I wanted to mention, is that A, if you contribute to a 403B, those plans are exempt from profit sharing. Now, if you think about that for a second, you'll understand why, because the only way you're eligible for it is if your employer is a nonprofit or a government. For those of you that know what the national debt is, you know the government doesn't typically run at a profit, and they don't profit anyway because they're not a business. And then the only other category that can have this plan is a nonprofit. So you can't have profit sharing if there's no profits. But that one's a little self-explanatory. But also, chances are you are unlikely to be offered a company match. And the reason for that is, remember that ERISA I mentioned earlier? Well, 403Bs are exempt from following a lot of the rules of ERISA. But if they contribute to your retirement plans, they then have to abide by those guidelines. So they don't usually like being restricted because if you're restricted, life just isn't fun. So they're not going to contribute because they don't want to be lumped in and all of a sudden get regulated. And the last thing I want to mention on the differences are that 401k and 457 plan administrators, those brokerages that manage the funds, for those two, typically those administrators are going to be brokers that offer their own mutual funds, i.e. Vanguard, Schwab, Fidelity, all of them. Your 403B providers or the administrators are mostly going to be insurance companies. So maybe Prudential or Principal or one of them. And insurance companies are, let's say, less beneficial to their customers than mutual fund companies. So if you have a 403B, you might notice you have, instead of mostly mutual funds, you might have a couple mutual funds and then half of your options are annuities, which I do not recommend annuities. That's honestly could be a whole nother episode. Uh, that one would mostly be a rant. But if y'all are interested, shoot me an email, let me know, leave a comment. Uh, I'll gladly rant for about 20 minutes on it. Actually, I could probably do it in 10. But anyway, mutual fund companies versus insurance. I'll take mutual fund any day of the week. Now, this episode has probably gone on a little bit longer than I'd preferred it, so I'm going to go ahead and end it there. If you have any questions, feel free to shoot me an email. If I get a lot of the same questions, I'll do a follow-up video to answer all of those and maybe go into more depth. At any time, I want to remind you guys, I really like to listen to y'all's feedback. I read all of your emails. So if you have comments, suggestions, feel free to send those to me. I'm more than happy to read it. We're still kind of getting the show established, so if there's changes that need to be made, I'm more than happy to do it. Thank you guys so much for all the support you've given me so far. Uh, please be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review. All subscribing does is give you a notification whenever a new episode comes out, which those will be coming out a little bit more regularly now. And then liking just tells the platforms that you've gotten some value out of the show, and maybe others could too. So thank you all for listening, and I'll see y'all next time when we talk about IRAs. Thank you for listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast. 
Have a question on today's topics or have suggestions for future episodes? Send an email to mainstfinance at gmail.com. Sharing is caring, so if you learned something new and useful today, make sure you share with friends and family. Don't forget to like and subscribe to be notified of new episodes. For demonstrations and more examples, be sure to check out the YouTube channel. We'll see you next time.